This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, February 26th. I'm Desiree Frazier and for Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, residents of the capital city continue to face water outages following last week's winter storm. Then a Mississippi agency assigned to distribute millions in federal pandemic relief funds is under pressure to get the program going or risk losing the money. Plus, the Mississippi Economic Council responds to the House's fast-track tax plan. That's all coming up on Mississippi Edition right here on MPB Think Radio. The Mississippi National Guard has stationed tanker trunks outside Several Jackson schools distributing non-potable or potable water for residents in need. Parts of the city have not had running water for more than a week following last week's severe winter storm. The Guard has partnered with the city of Jackson and the Emergency Management Agency to supply the water through several large tanker trucks. Colonel Bobby Jen is in charge of logistics. He shares more on the response with our Kobe Vance. We have a state emergency duty package uh, that that MEMA uh, uh, and and all of the state agencies have uh, the visibility of our capability when it comes to state emergency duty. That's water tankers, non-potable. That's generators, uh, and that's fuel tankers. So when when we got the call to to deploy the non-potable water tankers out of Camp Shelby, that package is 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 ready to go at all times. Are y'all helping support any other cities across the state? Uh, as there's a few other cities that have uh, some water issues, maybe not to the same extent as Jackson. Right. The, on, the only uh, city that we're supporting with non-potable water right now is the Jackson area uh, right now. And how many gallons are y'all helping bring into the city? So each one of these tankers uh, uh, holds 5,000 gallons. So we brought 20,000 gallons with us, uh, and we will we will top those off as need be as as we go through the water uh we'll we'll come here and and top them back off and then spot and uh distribute more water now as i'm standing here i'm seeing a few cars come through how many uh, people do y'all expect to see come through and uh, help get them some some water to help uh, to use in their homes in their shower and in their tubs and their uh, toilets I, I would I would expect that each one of these tankers by the end of the day would be uh, uh, close to being empty. So as we get in that battle rhythm, um, our battle rhythm would be uh, at the end of the day at 6 o'clock in the evening when we leave this site, we go top them off, we stage them, and then we bring them back here uh, uh, in the morning at, at, at 9 o'clock in the morning. Now... If that consumption rate is higher than that, then we will adjust our battle rhythm to to how we uh, can better serve and better distribute water to the to the citizens here in the Jackson area. 
you mentioned earlier that this was just one of the trucks that was ready to go. Are there other trucks that could be prepared in the coming days? We, we've got we've got four non-potable uh, water tankers in our state emergency duty package, and that's what was requested, uh, and 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 that's what we have had ready to go. Um, of course, as this this uh, this mission carries on, continues on, uh, if 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 we need more. Uh, then we will go back and look at look and see where some of our other assets may be located uh, within our organization. Now, what are, can you talk on the significance of Mississippians helping Mississippians uh, as the national as they as troops of the National Guard? It's 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 what it's all about. I mean, we're uh, when when you know we're we're asked to to do the federal mission to 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 go across the pond, if you will, uh, but 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 it's a little bit different when you're supporting your home state you're supporting uh people that you you grew up with people that you you know from from sunday school classes to 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 whatever i mean it's 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 more of a family aspect if you will Colonel Bobby Jen with the Mississippi National Guard. Jackson resident Carol Green was one of many in line to fill containers of water yesterday. She said the week of no water has brought discontent among residents. It is real frustrating not to have, you know, the essential that you need to wash dishes, to cook, to bathe. It's very frustrating. It makes you want to do something. But, hey, we know we can't do nothing about it. Does that does that contribute to the frustrations to feel like you're just trapped? Right, right, right. You know, like I say, um, certain people have water, and there are others. And I mean, their water have not been been uh, tampered with at all. They have had water ever since the freeze, but there are certain ones of us that haven't had any. So y'all haven't had any water in your home. Uh, when when did it get cut off? Tuesday? Uh-uh. It was Tuesday. So it's been over a week. Over a week. They turned it on for a little while yesterday, and then they turned it off. Okay, that was time enough for everybody to get a bath. But after that, you can't go use the bathroom. You can't use the bathroom. Now, are this supplies like what you're getting here today, does that help at all? Yes, this is going to be a big help. We'll be able to flush. We'll be able to wash dishes. But is that enough? No. It's not enough. We don't have we don't have the containers to get enough water. You know, hey. I feel I'm a senior, so I feel sorry for other senior citizens myself. You know, especially those that are unable to get out. They can't um get what they need. And I feel like they should have people to go to their houses and make sure that they are okay, that they have what they need. That's my opinion. Look. Public works officials estimate outages are impacting half of the city, and the system may not be restored until sometime this weekend. In the meantime, residents like Estelle Green are relying on the water provided by the National Guard tankers. He says the situation is the worst he's seen in over 50 years. I've been out water for seven days. Seven days? That's, that's a long time to go without water. Well, that's how long it's been. What, what, is, what does that feel like? Huh. 
It's real terrible. You can't take a bath. Can't, can't, you have to hardly do nothing. Had to heat water to wash the dishes if you cook. I know some people have some running water. So it's a very we low pressure. We don't have none. I ain't had none in seven days. Nothing. So uh, what have y'all been doing? I'm to... getting it from these trucks. So, so does that, you know, is that, do you think that's enough? Or do you, what no, would you like to see? enough. Happen? I mean, I, I ain't talking about nobody. I ain't trying to lay the blame on nobody. But this is what as I see it. Since I've been staying down here in 57 years. Um, what does this feel like for somebody? You know, you've been, you said you lived here for 57 years. This um, is what did I ever see this city. Uh, what, is it, what does this feel like to have your community not have water like this? Yeah, terrible. And is, it, is it just yourself or do you, do you no, have neighbors? No, it's for that, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Are your neighbors? Ain't, ain't nobody in South Jackson got no water. Not over by me anyway. I've been staying down here 57 years, and I've never seen this city in the shape it's in. Streaks and nothing there. Does that hurt to see the city? Uh, yes, like it this? hurts. National Guard tankers will be distributing water again today, and the city will be distributing bottles of drinking water while supplies last. Coming up, a Mississippi agency assigned to distribute millions in federal pandemic relief funds is under pressure to get the program going or risk losing the money. It's the first of its kind, a virtual StoryCorps mobile tour. For years, StoryCorps brought loved ones face-to-face for interviews about the things that matter most. Now, StoryCorps is bringing people together in a whole new way. Record an interview remotely and make it a part of American history at the Library of Congress. Appointments now open at StoryCorps.org. StoryCorps is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. A Mississippi agency assigned to distribute millions in federal pandemic relief funds is under pressure to get the program going or risk losing the money. Mississippi Home Corporation says it has a waiting list of more than 3,000 people seeking emergency rental assistance. Executive Director Scott Spivey tells the Senate Housing Committee the agency has $186 million in pandemic relief funds for the program, but a narrow time frame in which to distribute that money. 80, so uh, 80% of it has to be out um, by September 30th. So that ends up being about $120 million, So that ends up being slightly more achievable goal. Um, we're already actually asking the Treasury to extend that deadline. Um, that, you know, our experience in emergency mortgage relief, our experience with other housing programs that we've administered over the years uh, tells me that, you know, even though this is going to be an unprecedented effort and rollout and outreach, you know, on a scale that we've never attempted, that's still going to be a very difficult deadline to make. And we're not the only one. Um, every single state that I, and I've talked to all of them, have the exact same concern. Uh, and so nationally, we are speaking with one voice. And I understand, you know, and, and the motivation for the deadline was get it out there and help people. Don't drag your feet. This isn't something that needs 24 months before you roll it out. People need help. People are, you know, the, the, the debt burden is rising and people need it. 
absolutely, I understand that. And that's, you know, and that's a good motivator. Hopefully they will give us some mercy on that deadline because I, it, it is a gargantuan task. Distribution of the funds must follow guidelines established by the U.S. Treasury Department. But Spivey says that MHC doesn't want to create any undue complications for applicants. We do not want to add any burden for documentation or requirement that is not required by the Treasury. We want to do we we want to be good stewards of the money and we want to use it uh, at its best and highest use. But we don't want to make it more complicated. We want to keep it as as streamlined as possible. The biggest impediment to speed here is going to be income. And our experience with mortgage uh, assistance, our experience with lending, our experience with grant administration that has income limits on it, that is where you get bogged down, is documentation of income. And we had really hoped that Treasury would allow self-attestation of income and then check on the back end, but they want proof of income early because the, the way the law was written, you're eligible if you're at or below 80%, but we have, we've, we've been, we're mandated to prioritize 50% or below, right? So, and, and that's one of the things that we're having to try to figure out Prioritize is a really easy word to write, but it's a really hard word to implement. You know, does that mean you take 75% of the caseworkers and put them on 50% AMI applications and 25% are on the 50 to 80? Or, you know, how do you, you know, two over here for every one over here? Like, we have to be, we're, we're going to have to be able to demonstrate on the back end how we did that. Um, and that's where, you know, it's going to slow down a little bit. But we're up to the challenge. Spivey says the funds are left over from another emergency assistance program, so they have to develop the plan quickly. The fund will provide 15 months of rent to landlords and tenants. Spivey tells Senator Albert Butler utility services under the purview of the Public Service Commission are also eligible. The RA program is only authorized to pay rent and it's authorized to pay utilities. And the only utilities that are qualified are those that are under the Public Service Commission. So, you know, water, sewer, gas, power uh, are the are the three that, that qualify. Um, no assistance that I know of as far as foreclosure relief or any other financial instruments people may have used. Do you know of any other agency that's out there that uh, help in foreclosure situations uh, for individuals that have been uh, misused by the system? I don't. I do know uh, in conversations we've had with uh, our national agency, the National, uh, national Council of State Housing Agencies, that mortgage assistance is being considered in the next stimulus package. Mm-hmm. Um, they're using the hardest hit fund as a basis for that, and that would be mortgage assistance to prevent foreclosure. Eligibility for rental assistance is based on income guidelines set by HUD. Spivey says the website to apply will be launched by the end of March. Coming up, the Mississippi Economic Council responds to the House's fast-track tax plan. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. 
we hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. A tax overhaul championed by House Republicans has not yet received the endorsement of the Mississippi Economic Council. The Mississippi Tax Freedom Act was introduced and passed in the House earlier this week. The tax reform bill would, among other things, phase out the state income tax, reduce the grocery tax, and raise the sales tax. But Scott Waller, president and CEO of MEC, tells our Michael Guidry the council has to determine the potential impact of the plan. There had been conversations about that we wanted to take a look at it and, and, and to make sure that we had I guess what you would say is a, a tax structure that promotes job growth, capital investment, and uh, we knew that it was a priority for uh, you know uh, several of our our leaders at the legislative level, and and, and even you know even our governor has mentioned the, the fact that there's some things he would like to see happen with our tax code. Um, so we we knew that there was discussions about this. We knew that there was things that were going to be taking place. We also knew that they were we're kind of working on a proposal. We, we just had, uh, you know, what we, we didn't, what we didn't know is what it was and when it was coming until it was actually introduced. It, it, it's, it's not a surprise that our legislative leaders have been working on this. I think it was just that we didn't know, you know, we just didn't know the details of it until the bill was, uh, was actually induced, and we now have to look at that and say, what is what is the impact of that? It's available now. Anyone can access it, and, and you and I, I assume the Economic Council will take a hard look at it, like you've said. My question is, what what do you look for? How do you how do you break down something as complex? I mean, it's reportedly 380 pages long if, when printed out. How do you begin looking at that, and what, what do you look for to kind of assess if this well, is think- good for Mississippi's economic growth? It, it, it's really just a comparison. I mean, I think what, as we look at the details, what we do is we take a look at okay, what are what are our competing stakes charging in terms of sales tax, and particularly the business side of things, the inputs that are being taxed on businesses, whether it be manufacturing, whether it be agriculture, or some of the other, you know, the equipment purchases and things of that nature. What what are our competing stakes charging in, in those areas? Because if this puts us out of line. Then that's going to make it very difficult to to compete. And if it, it and so we just got to make sure whatever is done doesn't throw us out of line with what our competing states are doing, or that's really going to have a, a negative impact on on economic development. So that that's kind of how the process works. I mean, MEC has always been an organization that is focused on having sound research in making decisions on its policy positions. And right now, we have to do that work. We have to go in. We have to see what it does. We have to look at it very carefully. And in that way, we can say without question, if, 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 if we do X, Y is going to happen. Or if we do Z, A is going to happen. And that, that way, we, we will be able to 
have a more, I guess, detailed look at at the impact of this. And as I said earlier, the, and you mentioned the size of the report, of the size of the bill, this is one of those things that's going to take a little while to do, but we're in the process of doing that and hope to, to finish it as soon as possible so we can really have a, a very good analysis of what the impact of this is going to be. Is it important when assessing a, a piece of tax legislation like that to for, for it to at least present or or promise some type of uh, revenue or be be revenue neutral or is it one of those things where the state can look at it not being revenue neutral in the immediate future but the benefits of reduced you know taxes and 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 the allure of of attracting businesses it's something that you can make up for well i think I think really and truly that that's going to be a it's going to have to be a case by case basis um, you know, it just a lot of it depends is how how much what is the change doing to the general fund? What is what is it going to mean for future growth? I mean, all those things have to be taken into consideration uh, to make that determination. So to have again, I, if it were as simple as having a a set formula for everything that we did, uh, this would be this wouldn't be nearly as hard as what it, it becomes. So I think it just you have to take it on a case by case basis, and, and just like with this legislation. We almost have to take it on a section-by-section section basis to look at the details and figure out, okay, what is what is the impact here? You know, what is it going to mean uh, for the budget? What is it going to mean for our businesses? What is it going to mean for everybody so that we can have an understanding of it as we go? So that that's really kind of where we where we see it again. You know, no two no two pieces of legislation are the same, so you really have to look at the individual pieces of both legislation that legislation make that type of determination. So. And the last thing I wanted to, to ask you, Mr. Waller, we're nearing the the one-year anniversary of the first reported case of COVID-19 in Mississippi. We know what the initial phases of the pandemic did to parts of the, the, the state's economy. We're now nearing the end of the third quarter of the state's fiscal year. Uh, how, how are things looking as we reach that, that one-year mark economically? Well, as as I understand it, and again, I, I, I will I will I will make sure that I classify. I'm I'm not an economist, but I think that in reality, you know, it, it, that first the, the first few months after COVID were, were very devastating. Um, but I think what we've seen is we've seen our economy come back fairly strong, and in, in some cases, I think we've even exceeded expectations on where we would be at this point. But you know, we still have a long way to go. I feel good. I think our, our economy is, 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 again, exceeded expectations in some cases. But, but I'll be honest with you. I mean, there's still a lot of, a lot of businesses out there, that, particularly small businesses. Small businesses are the ones that were the most impacted. And in a state like Mississippi, we have a lot of small businesses. And um, you know, that, that's a big driver in our economy. And when those businesses are heard, it has an impact uh, not only on not only on jobs, but on you know the ability to 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 propel and drive the economy. So all those things are, are part of what has happened, and we just kind of have to you know have, kind of have to see where all this plays out. But, you know, right now things are things are looking positive, but we just got to we can't we can't let our guard down. Yes, sir. Well, Mr. Scott Waller, President and CEO of the Mississippi Economic Council, we thank you for your time and your perspective, sir. Thank you so much. Bye. 
This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.